Praise the Lord. Loving Heavenly Father, we come before your throne of grace one more time this morning that you will, Father God, speak to us today with clarity. God, I pray that uh, even as, uh, as we go into this word, Father God, let your word come and minister to our hearts today one more time. Let your name be glorified in this, Father God, that uh, we will be careful to give you the honor and the glory. Father God, hide ourselves under your wings. God, the Bible says like uh, you, you, you protect and you, you, you just like uh, give us a place for us, Father God, a secret, most high place for us to hide under. Father God, this morning, we pray that you will just hide us and let your word pierce through our hearts this morning and minister to us, Father God. Father, we surrender this time into your hands. God, you take the glory and honor. In Jesus' name I pray. Father, for your glory. Amen. Amen. Um, what I would like, um, you know, if you have your Bibles, to turn to Second Chronicles chapter 20. We will linger in this area uh, in a bit. But it, this is, a, you know, this morning as I was uh, uh, ready uh, to to just like a meditate on this word, I was asking God, like, what does it mean by conquering the strongholds? For everyone, it may be different. Uh, and and it's, it's, it's about a fight. Uh, it's about uh, the strongholds is, uh, is uh, something that uh, people have when they go for the war. They actually hide under um, the strongholds. Um, they, they sometimes have bunkers and and uh, tall um, walls and so on. So um, it's it's different. So I wanted to break this conquering strongholds actually into two parts. The first part is like uh, you know, uh, it's uh, it's about like an internally uh, uh, internal strongholds. And next week we'll come back and talk about the external strongholds. So um, as you are turning through the the second chronicles um here here is the reason why um i was thinking that, that we will meditate on this every one of us from time to time in our life we go through battles there is nobody in this earth is 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 battleless or is protected from the battles or don't have any battle in their life the intensity may vary but we all go through some sort of a battle. God says, even Jesus says, that when he talks about that parable, he says that the rain and the storm and the winds came for, for both the men who built the house using uh, uh, on the rock as well as the one that uh, you know, built the house on the sand, you know. And so the battle is always there. And, and the thing is that sometimes the enemy knows how to get under our skin. He knows how to get under the place where it just rattles us. Uh, if, if you are so, you know, loving and that uh, you, you, you want this marriage to work and that... Uh, you, you you put every energy behind that marriage, then the enemy gets under that skin and starts to rattle that marriage. Or, or 
sometimes you put a lot of energy towards the business that you're working on and you have all good intentions to take the blessings from the business and give it to somebody and you know you have prayed for that business and the enemy just sneaks in underneath and just rattles the business so now you don't know whether to question your idea on business is correct or the God whom you prayed. That's why the enemy is very subtle in, in just making this battle. Uh, or sometimes it's just the, the disagreement that you have with your children and the argument you have with your children can get underneath your skin. And, and the, the battle that we are facing can be, you know, small, can be big. But if you are going through one today, then this message is for you. This meditation is for you. Or there is the thing that you're battling and battling, you're fighting and fighting and not seeing a victory. You're asking God, what am I doing wrong, God? If that is you, then I pray that this meditation gives you strength through this battle. And, and the thing is that when, when we go through the battle, how do we handle this battle? How do we conquer the stronghold of this enemy? The, the thing is that sometimes I have seen like people are, are, are like whenever they run into an issue, they, they just go into Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, and they're just like a blasting their message to a large set of audience of what is very personal. It's like, why, why would I want to blast my misery to the 624 people who probably could, some of them, press the like or say something? This is like, really, how can you throw your personal conversation that you're having with your husband or your wife or your children on, on a social media? Really? Is that how we want to handle this problem? Boo-hoo, you know? Who cares what they think about this? this? They're not actually going to solve your problem. Misery loves company. They just love. They are going through some things in their life. They just like to join back onto yours and just like entertain you because they're getting entertained by what you're throwing on that social media. Here's the thing. The lions don't go near another lion. They always go after the weaker prey. That's why First Peter chapter, uh, chapter 5, verses 8 says, Be alert and cautious at all times that the enemy of yours, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. He's seeking the enemy is seeking. He's roaring. He's looking for you. And if you are going to go into this battle with this, oh my God, when will this getting over? Uh, it's killing me. This sometimes, like we say things like this, allergy is killing me. 
the thing is like you're going into this battle like a prey that you are not actually standing up to this enemy. So this morning, what we are going to be meditating on is to ask God on how we would battle when the enemy's strongholds are just attacking us. And so um, I'm going to ask uh, Brother Keith if he can read from Second Chronicles chapter 20, verses 1 through 6, brother. Good morning, all. After this, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and with the Meunites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. It was told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude has come against you from beyond the Dead Sea, from Edom, and behold, they are in Hazazon Tamar, which is in Gedi. Then Jehoshaphat feared and set himself determinately as his vital need to seek the Lord. He Amen. proclaimed a fast in all Judah. Amen. Amen. The thing is this, um, I'm hoping um, everyone can hear us clearly. The, 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 this is a battle. This, this means war. There is like people coming against, not just like one. It says a multitude, a great multitude is coming to battle against the, the, the king of Judah, Jehoshaphat. So before we go into the battle, we're going to go into this battle, we're going to meditate on the battle, but before we go into the battle, we just have to do, set the context for this battle, right? When we read the word, that's one thing. We should actually look for the context for the words that we are reading. And the thing is, sometimes one chapter, like, a couple of weeks ago, we were meditating on this one chapter in Genesis that covers actually 1,500 years, just one chapter. Whereas in some cases, when we come to the New Testament, when we read the John, the book of John, the first 12 chapters talk about three and a half years of God's ministry, whereas the last eight chapters talks about just one night. Sometimes these words that are written have like a gap in the middle. So we need to understand the context behind what's going on. So who is this guy, King Jehoshaphat? Right? And uh, uh, if, if we go to the, the, the chapters, a couple of chapters before this, you don't need to turn there. Let me read this for you. Second uh, Chronicles chapter 17, verses 3 to 6 says, Now... The Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the former ways of his father David. Jehoshaphat is a son of Asa, the king Asa. Uh, and, and this, this um, king was doing really well. They were beating the enemies. But at the very end of his life, he just gets into some trouble. And uh, he has some disease with his feet, and he dies. And after he, he died, his son, Jehoshaphat, comes and becomes a king of this nation called Judah. So 
Another context to hear is this, that the whole Israel, that when, when David was the king, it was a united kingdom of Israel. But, and, and even when it was in the days of Solomon, it was still one country. But Solomon's son, he breaks this country into two parts, and he calls a northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, right? And then the southern kingdom is called Judah, and the northern kingdom is called Israel. And the, the southern kingdom is what Jehoshaphat was the king uh, during this time. And the northern kingdom, which consists of ten tribes of Israel, and it was ruled by Ahab. This is the king that Elijah had trouble with, and that rain came, and uh, he stopped the rain, and all those things. This is all the, 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 the husband of Jezebel. You know, this is the, 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 the northern kingdom, and the southern kingdom is ruled by Jehoshaphat. And the thing that, the, the context, another context to this is that this king, the Bible says the Lord was with him. Right? And it did not relate him back to his father, Asa. He is now related back to his great-grandfather, David. And it says like the former ways of his father, David. So the writer of this book is actually taking us back to the place where he's connected in this lineage because the people that came in the middle has caused us some trouble and, and, and the spirit of the God was just saying, like, relate this guy back to his great-grandfather, David, right? Who did not seek the Baals, but sought the God of his father and walked in his commandments and not according to the acts of Israel. So here, when you see, not according to the acts of Israel, it's talking about like the northern kingdom, how it is now in distort, and Judah is not actually doing, or Jehoshaphat is not doing like the kingdom of Israel. Therefore, the Lord established the kingdom in his hand, and all Judah gave, all Judah gave presents to Jehoshaphat, and he had riches and honor in abundance, and his heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he removed the high places and the wooden images from Judah. So what we know about this, this king, Jehoshaphat, is that he was loved by God, and he honored God's ways. And because he honored God's ways and removed the idols from, from Judah, he is being blessed. Not only that, in, in the 17th chapter, 10 and 11 verses says, because he was honoring God in such a way, and the fear of the Lord fell on all the kingdoms of the land that were around Judah, so that they did not make war against Jehoshaphat. This is the thing. When we are closer with the Lord and honor his ways, even our enemies 
are not going to make an attempt to come after us because they know the battle when you get into, then you are not alone in this battle. And and here's the thing, the 11th, 11th verse says, some of the Philistines brought Jehoshaphat presents and silver as tribute. And Arabians brought him flocks, 7,700 rams and 7,700 male goats. So what we know about this king is that he is, he's a God-fearing guy and he was following God's laws and because of which he was very highly respected even by the people around the, the kingdom of Judah, right? And the thing is this, in his journey, right, um, the, the, so far he has traveled from chapter 17 now to 20. So there are a few things that happened and we'll see if we can touch some of those things. But when it comes to the 20th chapter, it says the very first thing that we read here is that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. This is the first verse of chapter 20. What's the context here? Why is God mentioning these names? Sometimes when we read the word, we see some names that are really hard to pronounce, but God just puts them there for a reason. Who are these Ammonites? Who are these Moabites? In fact, in some of the texts, it says it's the people. The others are the people from Mount Sire or Edomites. Okay, who are these people? Why is their name important for this battle? The Bible could have said a great multitude of people came to attack the, the kingdom of Judah. It could have said multiple nations came together to fight against Judah. But no, the Bible's talking very clearly about few things. That's why, you know, there is a reason why God has put all these things. Who are these Ammonites, right? And who are these Moabites? And when we go back to the earlier chapters of this Bible, we will see these Ammonites and Moabites are sons of Lot. When Lot was running from Sodom and Gomorrah, he was going into the wilderness with the two of his daughters. And those two daughters give some alcohol to their, to their fathers and have sex and have babies. And one of those daughters gave birth to Moab, and the other daughter gave birth to Ammon. And, and the thing is that... The, the people that came afterwards, the generations came after Moab and the Ammon are the ones are called Moabites and Ammonites. Ammonites. Now, why is this important? Why is this important? When we have the strongholds that we are fighting against, here's the thing. Today, in today's context, right, what we are fighting against 
more than the enemy outside, we are fighting against the principalities and the powers of darkness from within ourselves. There used to be a time that when I Love Lucy was playing in this country, when she smoked a cigarette in that one of those shows, the people in this nation was getting raving at that one. They said, like, my goodness, how can a woman smoke cigarette on TV? It was considered something major issue, right? People were fighting for that. People were saying, how can our children see this on TV? That was years ago that happened. But now, today, we have nakedness come on TV and we don't make any noise. We have gotten to a place where we are accepting the nakedness on TV. And this whole thing about sexual immorality is now accepted in so many ways. How many young kids getting pregnant? How many of them are getting spoiled by social media? How many of them are exposed to, to the media that's feeding them with all these junk? And we don't really have any way to fight this because we have given room. When it was small, we should have fought this. Now it is grown and it is standing like a mountain before us holding the strongholds from inside our territory. The sexual immorality is one of the biggest enemies that the, that, that the devil has already placed inside us. I, I, I read this very uh, uh, poor statistics, uh, and they say that Whenever there is a Christian convention or a conference that happens in a city and the people start to travel from all the different places and when the hotels get filled up, the statistics says the adult movies that are rented on those hotels go up. Really? Really? When, when a Christian convention, we come out in front, we are raising our hands and we are praising God, but behind the scenes, underneath that, you know, there is so much of eroding that's happening. The ugliness of this is actually intruding into the hearts of these men and women that are actually staying in hotels. Really? Those are the Ammonites and Moabites that are still active in our cities, in our nation, that, that's coming after us in great multitude. We need to know who our enemy is before we start the battle with them. Who are these Edomites? So that's the third group. So we got Moabites, we got Ammonites, and the third one are the Edomites. Edomites are the sons of Esau. Esau, who sold his birthright 
for a cup of soup. And the thing is this, the Edomites come from a generation where the starting point of their life began with selling their birthrights to the enemy. And the thing is this, he did not even sell that for, for a, a large, uh, you know, blessing, but he just like sold it for a cup of soup. How many times that we are selling ourselves for a small benefit that we would get? Sometimes we are just like going through this life where the enemy that's in multitude is attacking our families, attacking our businesses, attacking our children, not because of something outside. It's because of what the room that we have given inside our house first. And the thing is this, we are wrestling after that against not the the power that we are wrestling against, not the flesh and blood, but against the powers and the principalities of this darkness. But here's the thing. This enemy that we are fighting against is not omnipotent. He doesn't have new ways to devise against us. It's exactly the same ways. The media may have changed, but the, the principle of behind that media has always been the same, right? He's coming after with the sexual immorality. He's coming after this generation with the selfish uh, motives and selfish self-centeredness. That's what I, I meant to say. We're just like surrounded by that part, right? And now... These people are coming against Judah. Judah is a name given to the people who spend time praising God. What is coming against praising God are the spiritually that are fighting against the people praising God are the sexual immoralities and the self-centeredness. And God says, uh, what breaks your praise today is, is all these things that are coming after you. So when you are, even before you start to talk about battle, you need to know who your enemy is. I just read somewhere, tell me who your enemy is, then I'll tell you who you are. Right? So with that said, I want to go to the third word. So now we have seen the, the three groups of people that are coming against the children of Judah. And the third word says, alarmed. In, 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 in another version, it says, feared. This king is just now rattled because the thing is getting underneath his skin. Right? And the King James Version says he seeks the Lord. But the thing is, Jehoshaphat, in one of the translations, says uh, he resolved to inquire to the Lord. He wants to go to God and say, God, is this my fight? 
He wants to ask the Lord, should I be doing this battle? There is some precedence to it. Why is he inquiring of the Lord? Because, see, the thing is, not all the battles that we go through is ours to battle with. We don't need to battle every single one that's out there. We don't need to lose our sleep over every battle. Sometimes people lose their, lose their peace and, and joy over the gas price going up. When the gas price goes up, what can I do to battle that? Here's what I can do. I can reduce my travel and use my legs to travel from close places to close places. If I have to travel too far, I cannot control the gas price. Why am I trying to battle that in my mind against the, the price of, of, of gas? There's nothing that we can do to, to, to win that battle. And in this case, right, the reason why he goes to God in prayer and asking God if this is his battle, when we go to the 18th chapter of Second Chronicles, we see that King Jehoshaphat actually did not like the kingdoms broken down as northern and southern kingdoms. He actually wanted them to be together. He wants to make an alliance with the king the northern kingdom's king, Ahab. He, he goes to meet him. And he, when he went to meet King Ahab in the 18th chapter, King Ahab actually prepared a, a beautiful meal for him. So they ate together, right? After they finished eating, King Ahab says, I really want to go and fight against uh, there's this one kingdom that's giving me a lot of trouble and I wanted to go fight against this one kingdom that is out there. And so the first thing that Jehoshaphat says to him is, have you inquired of the Lord? When Ahab says, I want to fight against the Ramoth, Jehoshaphat says, let's ask the Lord. Is there a prophet in your country that, that's speaking to the Lord, right? And so uh, Ahab says, yeah, 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 there are a lot of prophets out there, but there is, you know, and so he brings in all these prophets, and they're asking these prophets, and they're saying, yeah, 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 let's go, go after Ramoth, right? But somehow Ahab is not really convinced. So he asked the king Ahab, is there someone else in your place, in your country, a prophet that we can talk to? And so he says, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, there is one guy who has never said good things about me. Uh, he's out there. I, I, I just don't like to go to him. But if you insist, let's get that prophet. Let's talk to him, right? And so they go bring this guy. And to begin with, this prophet says, oh, uh, the things that you're going to do against this kingdom, you're going to prosper. You're going to be successful. Ahab is still not convinced. 
And so he says, buddy, tell me the truth. Is that what God told you? And so the prophet, the second time when he prophesied, he said, I'm so sorry. That's not what God told me to tell you. In fact, when you go to this battle, you will be scattered. And the Bible is very clear. It says you will be scattered like there is no leader amongst you. You're just going to go through some really tough time if you pick this battle, right? And so immediately, Jehoshaphat, you know, wants to remove from battling against Ramoth. But Ahab did not listen. And he goes to the battle and he gets beaten. And in the battle, Ahab gets killed. So when Jehoshaphat hears about the Ammonites and Moabites and Edomites coming against him, it just reminded him of what happened in Ramoth. And so he says, let me go and inquire of God if this is my fight. When you are, that's why I'm saying when there is a battle out there, you need to ask the Lord if this is your battle. The thing is, like, if there is a husband and wife that are fighting against each other, it's their battle. Maybe this is not your battle and that you should stay away from their battle. And if you just, like, insert yourself into their battle, at some point, they may come together and fight against you because this is not your battle. Sometimes even in the ministry, I, I, I see like we pick on battles that's not our battles. And, and the thing is this, like the God gives the vision for different ministries to do different things. There are ministries like a clean slate. Their job is to help these men that are coming out of prison, giving them place to stay, clothes to live. If, if I start to do that part of his ministry, then I lose the energy to battle against what God has called this ministry to do. We can help and support clean slate. I'm not saying no to that. I'm saying we cannot pick his battle because God has given him the strength to battle his, his you know, vision, his cause that God has given it to him. Sometimes people come and just distract Proverbs 2 to 6 with doing this and doing that. And every time, you know, the battle those battles are real. I'm not saying no to that. But the thing is, the battle for which Proverbs 2 to 6 is formed is to fight against the next generation. It's to fight the generational recidivism. It's to fight 
that is going to send one million children to college. That's what the energy should be spent on. If we spend the energy upon what we are called to do, then the next generation and the generation that's going to come after is not going to go to prison. Their children's children will not go to prison. Their children's children's children will not go to prison. If we take our eyes off of that, then we will not have an energy to fight what God has called us to do. That's why it's very important for us to know if this is our battle to fight. Not every battle is ours. Not every battle is yours. We need to know our battle. I've always heard Miss Sarah talk about this in our calls. She used to say, or she still says, that somebody told her that her name is Sarah and not Savior. And that's the truth. We need to know where our battle is. That's why we need to inquire. That's why King Jehoshaphat is inquiring of God to know if this is his battle. And sometimes when you're picking up the fight with somebody, you also need to know, is there any spoils that's going to be left for me to win and bring it home? No battle in the past, no king would fight another king if he knows there is no spoil. There is something beneficial that's going to take or move towards the kingdom of God. If, if your fight is not moving you towards the kingdom of God and his glory and his honor, then it's not the fight that you and I should be doing. In Second Samuel chapter 16, verses 12, it says, perhaps the Lord will see. Oh, here's the thing. One time that uh, King David was walking on the streets uh, his son Absalom is just like a, you know, kicking and screaming and kicked him out of the kingdom. And he's running for his life as they were running for, for, for their life. King David always had like a group of guys that traveled with him, right? As they were going, one of Saul's relatives, Shimei, Shimei, he just like throws the mud and stones at David, and he just like was cursing David. And there was a, someone who was standing next to, to David. One of the army men of David says, this is what the Bible says, why is this dead dog cursing you? Let me take his head off. Let me kill this guy. He's just so worthless. Let me take him down, right? Instead of David saying, yeah, 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 go after Shemai and kill that guy, right? He says, perhaps, this is Second Samuel chapter 16, verses 12, it says, perhaps the Lord will see my affliction and repay me with good for the cursing I received today. He's saying, God will see my struggle and, and he will probably bless me because this guy is cursing me. Don't do anything to her. That's why sometimes, even when the battle is so deep and somebody is trying to attack you, attack your character, attack your motive, attack your ministry, 
You don't need to go and pick the battle against them because the, that, that battle is not for you to deal with. Let God deal with that battle. Someone was just like a, saying something bad about uh, me this week, actually. And, and the thing is this. I, I wasn't really bothered by that because I knew that's not the battle that I should be picking up with this person. If she says something or he says something, it's up to them to say whatever they want to say. I'm not going to fight that battle because that's not mine. That's God. Right? You continue your journey. That's why he was, he was inquiring of the Lord. But what I really love about that verse is this. He not only inquired of the Lord, he, he gathered his people and, and all, from all the cities of Judah, and they came to seek the Lord. One of the versions says that they fasted and prayed. Someday in the future, we'll come back and we'll do a meditation on fasting and prayer. But all I want to say is this. When we seek the Lord, we need to seek the Lord all in. We cannot be doing half-hearted. We cannot be doing small piece here, small piece there. Uh, not under our comfort zone. It has to be all in. These, that's what King Jehoshaphat was doing. He was calling on the people. He was gathering everybody to come together so they can seek the Lord in one accord. This week, one of the things that also Miss Sarah said is this. She said, like, when she is praying with somebody, she doesn't want that person if they have unbelief, which is absolutely true. We, when you are praying with someone, you want them to be in the same page with you in full accordance. Sometimes what we are praying may not be correct, and that person who is joining can correct us because God speaks through everybody. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about if you know what you're asking for is righteousness, what you're asking and praying for is right before God, and you are aligning people to pray with you, you don't want to align people who is not going to be in the same wavelength as you as you're praying for those things. You don't want the people with unbelief around you, right? So what we have seen so far is the basis. Who is attacking us? In this case, Ammonites, Moabites, and Edomites. They are the ones attacking us. That's what is attacking this generation, this society right now. And when you hear about this attack, you don't need to go first, pick up your sword and fight against them. But instead, you have to inquire of the Lord and see if this is your fight. You need to pick the right battles. We as Christians don't need to give, you know, the, the uh, answer or rebuttal for every battle that's coming up in this nation. We, we need to pick our battle, right? The next thing is, is, is like he has gathered his people, he's going before the Lord, and here's what's happening. Brother, would you read from verses 6 through 12? 
Second Chronicles, chapter 20. And said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all? In your hand are power and might, so that none is able to withstand you. Do not you, O our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people, Israel, and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend. They dwelt in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, If evil comes upon us, the sword of judgment or the pestilence or famine, we will stand before this house and before you for your name, and the symbol of your presence is in this house, and cry to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now behold, the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt, and whom they turned from and did not destroy. Behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O God, will you not exercise judgment upon them? We have no might to stand against this great company that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Amen. Amen. There's so much in this prayer, and we could do an absolutely full message on this prayer. And I am absolutely going to do a complete disjustice or injustice to this part of the prayer. This is one of the amazing prayers that you would find in all of Bible. I mean, there's so many prayers like this. Um, the prayer that Hannah made that we saw last week, this prayer, and the prayer that, you know, Job made. There's so many prayers in the Bible that are so beautiful. Um, but I wanted to touch on very few pieces of this prayer. In fact, we can actually break this prayer into three parts. The first part, he's actually speaking to God about God's promises. Maybe we will come back. You know, I feel like, oh, my God, there's so much here that we're just like a passing by. We'll come back to this prayer. But here's, here's what he's saying. First, if we take the verses 6 through 8, he's talking about the Father in heaven. This is exactly what Jesus taught to his disciples. He's not talking to somebody who is of his same rank. He's talking to the God of this universe saying, God, I'm coming before you. You made the heavens and earth. You rule over this earth. When we are praying to God, knowing that he is almighty God, he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He, you know, the heavens and earth adores him. Right? We're going before that king, knowing that he can do anything and everything. There is nothing that is impossible for this God to do for you and me. And he's also saying, I'm coming to the same God who saved Abraham. I'm coming to 
the God of Abraham, the descendants of Abraham. He's just like going to the root of his existence and he's asking God for that help. The second part of his prayers is he's asking God, God, what are you doing? Or what shall I do? This is why he's inquiring of God. He's asking God, when they came to the promised land, right? When they were about to reach the promised land, they were coming across the Moabites, Ammonites, and Edomites, right? And God says to them, these are your brothers. These are the cousins of Abraham. These are your your allies at some point. God says, these were your allies, so don't battle against them, right? And so they actually left the Moabites and Ammonites and Edomites as they were entering into the promised land. They did not fight against them because God told them not to fight. So he's asking God, God, you asked us not to fight against these guys when we were coming into the land of Egypt, I mean the promised land from Egypt. And he's asking, like the 10th verse to the 12th verse, he's saying, now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Sire, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them because you asked us not to destroy them. Here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given to us as inheritance. He's asking God, what, what shall we do? These are your men. You said these were your men. They're coming against us. What shall I do? Can I go fight against them now? It was, okay. it was not okay at that point, and now is it okay? So he's inquiring. That's why that third verse, he's now asking God, what shall I do? And then, this is the beautiful part of this prayer. At the very end, he says, for we have no power against this great multitude that's coming against us, nor do we know what to do, because God, I don't know whether I should be fighting against this enemy. But our eyes are upon you. This is a humble state of total reliance on God. A prayer like this will melt God's heart. God will never allow you to go through a battle when he knows that you're seeking him. And that battle, you will not be alone because the king of kings and the armies of this king of kings is going to be going before you. And, and the thing is that uh, this week I was watching an Indian movie. And in that movie, um, the, the, what happens is like, uh, you know, the antagonist or the, um, you know, the villain of this movie destroys all the evidence that was against uh, him by burning all the paperwork, all the trails were destroyed. And uh, the, the hero of this movie comes and says, 
how can I win this battle? Everything is lost. Nothing is left behind. Right? Uh, that's what the friend of this hero tells him. You're not going to win this battle because you, everything is destroyed. There is no evidence against this enemy. And the hero says, I am fighting from the right side of this wrong. I know he killed that person. I know he, he took everything that person had. And I know I'm fighting for the person who's dead. Even though all these witnesses were trampled and uh, that paperwork is destroyed, I'm fighting from the act of righteousness. When you and I fight from the act of righteousness, then the battle, you know, where we are in is not going to be alone by us. God's going to have his army around us to fight. Right? And the hope that we have in the Lord will become real at this point. So what have we seen so far? We have seen the, the people coming against the children of Judah and how that he went to the Lord inquiring and he has finished praying. And I know it's nearly 9.30. I just wanted to quickly wrap it up. Um, but let me say this. I'm going to read this portion. We'll come back to this next week. I'm going to read from verses 14 through 17. If you are going through a battle yourself today, and you know this is the battle that you are supposed to be in, you're fighting from the angle of righteousness, here's what the Lord says to you, just like how this prophet was telling the king of Judah. The verse 14 of chapter 20 says, The Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Zeal, the son of Matania, a Levite of the sons of Asaph. Uh, in the midst of the assembly, the prophet comes, right, in the midst of their assembly, and he said, listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. This is exactly what he was inquiring of God. God, should I make this battle because I do not know whether this is my battle, right? Tomorrow, verse 16 says, tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Zeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourself. This is the verse for you and me today. Verse 17 says, you will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourself. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem? Do not fear or be dismayed 
Tomorrow go against them, for the Lord is with you. And as we read the rest of the chapters, you will find that when they went to the battlefield, they went with the praise team and the friend and the battlers behind, but they did not even lift their hands to fight because the battle belongs to the Lord. This wasn't their battle. When we are fighting against the enemy that is inside you and me, there is no way that we can win the battle with our own strength. There is no sexual offender that can fix their problem by fighting with their own strength. They even say, among all the inmates that are serving time in prison, the one that's really hard to rectify or fix are the sexual offenders. Why? Because they cannot fight this battle with their own strength. And the thing that we see on social media, the things that we see on TV, the things that we see on places that are talking about the sexual immorality cannot be fought with your own strength, nor the self-centeredness can be fought with your strength. God says that battle is mine. This stronghold, you're constantly fighting against this stronghold. Don't worry about this stronghold because this is not your battle. This is my battle. And oftentimes we are fighting against the enemy and losing our strength of fighting against this enemy, not knowing that this battle is not ours to keep. If you are fighting against this enemy, that's personally, you know, that you're struggling to get out of, even then that battle is not yours. It's a fight. It's a battle. But this battle is not yours. It's God's. You need to give the ball back to him to fight this battle that you are against. If the battle that you're fighting against is against the Ammonites and Moabites and Edomites, then know this for sure. This battle is not yours. This is God's. You need to seek the Lord. You need to go after him. You need to fast and pray. You need to ask the Lord to help you. But this is a battle you will not win unless God puts his hands upon it. As we go through this week, I want you to chew on these chapters. Second Chronicles chapter 17 through 20. I'm asking you, encouraging you to read these three chapters. Why? Because these chapters are talking about a saga, a, a, a battle that, you know, the, the King Jehoshaphat went through. It was a war. It was a war. Multiple wars has been talked about. But if you read this chapter, you will see how for nearly 40 years, this king was ruling this country in peace. Why? Because he was letting God do the battle for him. This morning, as we wrap up this, my prayer is that you will get a chance 
to do a deep dive into your own battles. Deep dive into your battles and see where is the source of your battle is coming from. Is your source coming from Ammonites, Moabites, or Edomites? Then know this for sure. This is a battle you will not win with your own strength. You need God to be doing this battle. He needs to raise up his army against our enemy. This is not a fight against the flesh and blood. This is a fight against the principalities and the powers of darkness. And in order for your heart to be guarded and your mind to be guarded, you need to give God the control back. And he will battle on your behalf. Praise the Lord. I'm going to let Pastor Keith lead us from here in prayer, as well as he will lead us into communion. Amen. Amen. What a powerful word that we heard from Pastor Cyril today. Um, many of the strongholds that we go through, many of the battles that we go through, even God has said, the battle is not yours. It belongs to the Lord. Let me say that again. The battle is not yours. It belongs to the Lord. This is the same thing that he said to Jehoshaphat before he told them to go down and fight. Be not afraid. Be not dismayed. But the battle is not yours. It belongs to the Lord. Father God, we just thank you for this day. We believe that you are present here with us during this most holy sacrament. We love you above all things, and we desire to receive you into our soul. Since come spiritually into our hearts right now, Father, we embrace you, and we unite ourselves to you. Never permit us to be separated from you. Lord, your word says that you will never leave us nor forsake us, and I truly believe that you will never, ever let us go. And we will cling to you and cleave to you. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 As we prepare our hearts and our minds to receive the sacrament today, Father God, we just ask that if there's anything that is not like you, any thoughts, any deeds that we've committed this week, this day, this moment, we ask that you just forgive us. Cleanse our hearts right now, Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Make us right. The conference has been unmuted. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And as we grab hold to your bread, mm-hmm. we gave thanks. Yes. We broke it. We said, take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this as often as you can in remembrance of me. Amen. In the same manner, we took the blood, gave thanks, and we drank it. Let us all drink. This is my blood, 
which is given for you. Do this as often as you can in remembrance of me. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this moment to participate with you, Father God. We cling even more so to you right now, Father God, knowing that everything that we ask of you has been given to us. In the mighty, precious name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Father God. Father, we come before your throne of grace one more time today morning. Yes, Lord. As we heard your word, Father God. Let your word, Father God, minister to us throughout this week. Yes. Father God, help us to just enjoy your presence one more time today. Yes, Lord. And for the week ahead of us. Father, we pray for everyone that's on this line. Yes. If there is uh, anything that they are going through as a battle, Father God, we speak Second Chronicles chapter 20, verses 17, over their life. Mm-hmm. Because this is not their battle. This is your battle. Hallelujah. Father, we pray that you will just like give them the peace and comfort knowing that you are still sitting in the throne mm-hmm. and you still control the heavens and the earth. We surrender ourselves, Father God, into your mighty hands. We take the glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Father, for your glory. Amen. 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 Amen.